What the heck? This is Danny Geheck, your host. Let me entertain you. Hello, how are you doing? Danny is my name. I always wanted to do a podcast and now I'm doing one. And one of the main things I actually did want to talk about is uh, living with dyslexia. And I've done a bit of public speaking on it. And um, I often start off and I say, apparently, I have something in common with uh, John Lennon, Nigel Kennedy, Walt Disney, Tommy Hilfiger, Einstein, Richard Branson, John Britton, for those people who know who he developed the motorbike, and also Abraham Graham Bell. And um, they go, oh yeah, they're all dyslexic people. Uh, they're also very creative people. And I'd like to say, you know, like living with dyslexia is actually a gift. And I truly mean that is. So in my professional career, I say I'm a connector, person of influence, podcaster. <laughs> and I'm sort of that guy around town who knows everyone. And there's kind of a reason for that. Uh, because when you're dyslexic, you make shit up as you go. And there's no, uh, you're not following anyone else's leadership. Uh, one of the best little sayings that I come across is one by Albert Einstein and it said everybody is a genius but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree it's going to live its whole life believing it is stupid. So yeah if I said to you what do you think of when you hear the word dyslexia and I do this in, a, in an audience and I say what do you think of? And is it reading and writing and spelling words backwards? Well, to me, it's a whole new level to that. You know, it's it's not being able to join in a conversation. Or if somebody tells you something, it often um, you can't say the same words you've just heard back. And it makes, um, you know, things very complicated. So... When I went through the school system, it was just incredibly hard because, every, you know, you'd go there and learn. It literally went in one ear and out the other. So at the age of um, 14, when the uh, fourth form ended, um, I don't even know what year that is, um, I went and saw the headmaster of the school. And I said, look, um, I'm not going to come back next year. And technically I was 14 when I left school. And he goes, oh, um why and I said well I don't feel I've learned anything I get picked on at school and I just I don't see any I just wanted to leave and he said well if you could do one thing for me he said there's a course that uh, a center that's called Pitt Caifley House and he said and they'll give you it's a two-week course and it's designed for people who leave school early he said would you go and do that it's probably the best thing I ever did in my life but it was basically for two weeks of training on people skills so if I were going to go for a job, then I'd know how to ask questions and, you know, show them that I wanted the job. Also, how you dress, um, you know, how to do a good handshake and how to look somebody in the eye when you're talking to them. And those four skills I just mentioned really made a huge difference in my life. So I've got some notes that I'm going through on my iPad as I talk to you. And I did a 15-minute talk as a keynote speaker in front of a whole lot of property investors and I remember afterwards this guy who was a very successful property investor come up to me and he said you know I've never told anyone that I'm dyslexic and I really admire that you shared that um, with the audience I said oh thanks very much but yeah he said he's got to be more vocal about his dyslexia so let me put it in perspective for you, what my life is like. I often tell people that I don't know the months of the year. And they go, oh, we'll get a calendar. So I said, look, sure, I can rattle off, you know, January, February, March, April. And now I don't know, May, June, July, September. So if you come to me and you said, look, we're going to have a meeting in April. I wouldn't know um, how many months that uh, that is from the month we're in to back to April. But if you said to me, uh, look, uh, we're going to meet in five months' time from today, that would resonate with me. 
So I often say to people, I don't know the months of the year, and they think I'm kidding. They don't take me seriously. So I say, well, how many months away is that? And they go, oh, it's just before, you know, it's just a couple back. And I go, is it two or three? <laughs> so then I say to people, well, hey, don't worry, I'm not stupid. I do know the days of the week. And they go, oh, yeah, of course you do. And then I say, but I don't know how to spell them all. And they go, you don't? I say, spelling Wednesday, Saturday, and Thursday, I could write down Wednesday, I could look at it, and tell you it's not, uh, it doesn't look right. Um, and I wouldn't know how to fix it. So often people give me words <coughs> that I can't spell, and um, I can tell them that it's spelt wrong, but I can't pronounce the word to tell them it's spelt wrong. What's the other thing? So it's the months of the year, days of the week. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what it's like. You know, so imagine living life in business, not knowing how to actually remember the days of the week. So I use technology a lot. So when I got to the age of 23, I was actually a painter and a decorator at the time, and just my business was starting to go really well. And my business partner at the time, we both worked three and a half days a week. So I said, well, I'm going to get my head around this reading and writing stuff. And I hired a, well, first of all, I went to Spelt Canterbury. And I, it's a bit of a story, but basically I went to them and I said, look, uh, I think I've got a reading disability because I'd never really been diagnosed, even though I went, I was in a special reading school. And they did a test for two or three hours and then they come back with a piece of paper and they said, um, look, you've got uh, a reading level of a 9.3 year old. And I went, oh, cool. And the same with my reading. And I said, all oh, right. So what can I do about it? I said, so they folded the paper into thirds and put a post-it note on the top of a lady's phone number. I can't remember her name, <laughs> but I basically what I did is I um, rang her up and said, look, I've been to Spelt Canterbury and they said that I'm, I'm probably dyslexic and I need to get some lessons on phonetics and you're the lady. So I went and saw her twice a week for a year to learn phonetics. And yeah, I, I do know how to sound out words a little bit but it doesn't work. And I basically had more appreciation for the English language. Uh, for example, a key. You can unlock a door and you can also park a yacht beside a key. Um, so the origin of the English language and how that actually worked was quite uh, quite interesting. So let's see what we've got. So yeah, so you often think of spelling words backwards. Um, memory is a real problem. So fortunately enough, I got gifted a Dao Karnidi, I can't even say the word, course. And the purpose of the course was to help you um, show more interest in other people and some really good values. And it was thoroughly beneficial. But one of the exercises they did is if you really want to, it's their, their motto is how to um, influence how to uh, win people, influence friends. I've forgotten it. But basically how to show more interest in others so what i did is i went on part of the course it's a three-day course and one of the course was it's a really good idea if you're in business to remember people's names so i remember one lady and um and we had to sort of do animated things so just imagine if your name was pip uh, so you'd walk into the room with a great big mess of apple on your head swaying all over the place and then you pull the apple off your head and you spit up pip across the room and that's how you'd remember pip uh, if her name was Pip. Uh, and one of the ladies who came into the room, her last name was um, Briggs. So she did an animation of a lawnmower, like, and she was trying to start this lawnmower that wouldn't start. And then her name was, her last name was Briggs. So out of a possible 50 of remembering every person's first and last name in the room, um, like one guy that had a picture of, he had big lips. So his lips was, uh, so Philip. So we looked at that feature on his face and looked at his lip and Philip, and that's how we remember his name. So it was all very well, so I knew everyone's first and last name, but I couldn't associate the first name with the last name because I had to bridge that. And that was really interesting. So out of a possible 50, I got 20. Most people in the class got 40 to 45, and they thought it was amazing. But you do come up with your own techniques. So what did I do when I left school? Um, I really wanted to work. And I decided that I would, um, I was brought up a Jehovah's Witness. And so I had a lot of skills on knocking on people's doors that I didn't know. So whatever skill set 
I had when I was growing up, I tried to apply it in my new lease of life. So at the age of 14 or 15, I was actually knocking on people's doors, using the skills I'd learnt being a Jehovah's Witness, and saying to them, hello, how are you doing? My name's Danny, um, I have a lawn mowing business, and I'm wondering if you'd be interested in me mowing your lawns. And they'd say, oh, that's a very enterprising young man. Uh, how much do you charge? And I'd say, oh, $10 an hour. And they said, oh, that sounds affordable. Yes, we would be interested. Um, and that was great. And then I'd say, can I use your lawnmower? And they'd laugh and say, sure you can. So I built up quite a reasonable lawnmowing business by just doing that. And I soon learned that um, people... Uh, were supporting me because of my audacity, um, my character. Um, they would say, what else do you do? And I'd say, oh, I can dig gardens, I can clean your spouting, I can sweep your drive. So then I started developing that. Um, I was a gardener, uh, I was a lawnmower, and um, then I'm bordering landscaping, moving rocks around, uh, cleaning up people's property, uh, rubbish removal, which I didn't have a car, so I couldn't use their car because I didn't have a license. But, you know, eventually I just learned the skills that I had in hand and I applied them in my life. And um, so it was, um, yeah, it was just really, really cool to, um, you know, get work at the time because I really wanted to work. It wasn't that I was lazy, um, you know. And one other thing happened when I was um, younger. I remember um, I lost my father um, to suicide when I was, um, he was 36 and I was nine years of age. And being a young kid losing, even though Robert was only in my life for a couple of years, I quickly adopted him as my father because I didn't have one as such. And um, got really close to him. And, you know, then he committed suicide, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it was a really, really hard time as a young fella. So then I was starving for education. Um, and we had four family friends who used to look after us. And they were actually elders in the church at the time. I call it a church, but it's uh, funny to call it a church because I wouldn't have if I were a Jehovah Witness. But um, basically, the guys in the congregation would look after me as a you know only child. And I remember we used to go away camping quite a lot. So we went away to a place, Coast Ford, one day, and there was um, um, three of us play fighting, and it was just in the in the dusk at nine thirty. And one of the guys got a bit carried away with play fighting and picked up a handful of sand and put it into this other bloke's mouth because he lost his temper and, and whatever. But I got the blame for it. And I remember these four guys were having a, a few drinks and um, I remember them saying to me, um, you know, did you do this? And I, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was the other guy. And they said, Danny, being a liar, you'll never amount to anything. So all I heard as a young fella is that I will never amount to anything. So put on top of that the fact that I couldn't read and write, I couldn't learn, I was like a submarine with no propellers going through the school system. And to this day, I really, oh, I just made $32. Um, this, to this day, I actually um, still don't believe I learned anything from school. Um, so one of those four guys when I got older actually gave me an apprenticeship as a painter and a decorator and that really sort of helped me become somebody so I was kind of like my stepfather was a my new my my father that committed suicide I call him my father Robert de Heck. he was a painter and a decorator my mum did remarried and he was a painter and a decorator and my brother uh, who was my half brother who was nine years older than me was also a painter and a decorator and uh, one of our best friends who was looking after me and he was considered like a father was a painter and decorator so I was doomed to be a painter and a decorator so when our, my family friend actually gave me an apprenticeship I thought here's a chance to get some sort of qualification behind me so I worked for him did my apprenticeship and then I worked for him for seven years and uh, and I was you know one of the leading painters and decorators in Christchurch which uh, um, which I was really proud of but then I, I met this guy and he said to me, look, um, would you ever work for yourself? And I said, oh, no, no, I don't think so. No, I'd never work for myself. And um, three months later, here I am working for myself. And basically, we, he said, well, why wouldn't you work for yourself? And I said, oh, well, I just don't like doing the paperwork and the written stuff and anything to do with words. 
would just blow my brain. He said, well, I'm really good at that. So I said, okay. And he said, and you're really good at painting. And I said, I think we'd make a great partnership. So we spent two or three months putting together a partnership deal, um, a director's agreement. If you ever get in business with anyone else these days, make sure you have one of those. And we never had a problem in business, Michael and I. We really worked well together, but we both had our own roles in the business. And then I realized, hey, this being in business stuff is good stuff. So around that time as I got kicked out of the J-Dub religion, and I basically had to start over. So rather than carrying on working with Michael in the painting and decorating, I decided that um, I'd give him the business and I'd start my own um, business up. And the story behind it was quite interesting because what I did is I worked for a, a bar. Uh, and when I was doing the bar, painting, doing paint effects on the walls, we specialise in interior paint techniques. The bar owner and I sort of struck up a bit of a friendship. And he said, well, what do you reckon I should do to this room off the side? And I said, oh, why don't you do one of those internet cafes? Because I just, um, I wouldn't allude here, but when I was working for Ray Martin Limited, uh, when I left after seven years, Ray gave me a digital diary and it truly changed my life because technology at that time was new when it comes to gadgets. And this was just a digital diary. So I spent the next two weeks of my life putting everyone's first, last name, phone number uh, into this device, their street address. And I had this database of about four or 500 people. And, and what I did with that is I actually went through the buy, sell and exchange at the time. And I've put all these plumbers and tilers and uh, jib stoppers and builders into my database. And then the buy, sell and exchange newspaper was free to advertise. So... I would advertise that I needed services done in one part of the paper and then I would advertise in the other uh, part of the paper that I am available to do these, uh, be it an electrician for hire or a painter for hire, and then I would just marry them up together. And eventually people would say, well, why are you doing this? You spend all this time, you know, saying, yeah, I know a guy. Um, But what I would do, because Michael and I, when we were renovating people's houses, we actually um, did five houses for the um, the Todd family, and they were the wealthiest family in New Zealand at the time. And we would organise everything from A to Z, so that people could um, we'd have what a non a one stop shop. So if they needed water removed from their houses, or a chimney put in, or the floor sanded. We just had a whole list of trades. So I said to the trades that I referred, look, I don't want any money for referring you, but when we need you, can you just drop everything and make sure you give us ridiculously great service? And it was a really, really good thing. So when I painted Peter Young's um, cafe or nightclub, and he suggested that we uh, um, do something together, I suggested setting up an internet cafe. Uh, Unfortunately, his business partner pulled out and then at that time, um, it looked like he was going to go bankrupt. So he said to me, look, I really like you, Danny. We've got a good relationship. Would you? How do you feel about working together in a business that we could start up? And he suggested that we started up um, an internet cafe, just an internet cafe, something small. Cause he, um, and I said, oh, yeah, okay. So I said, well, you're going bankrupt, aren't you? <laughs> and he said, well, if I don't carry on paying all the debtors, I probably will. And I said, well, that's a bit risky for me because I'm still young in business. And I said, but if you put the whole lot in my name, um, then, um, you know, and I manage the business, then you could be a silent partner. And he said, that sounds great. So he had a lot of trust in me. He'd come along with $17,000 with a loose change in a shopping trolley and asked me to put that in my bank account. And with that money, we bought four computers or maybe five. And we hired a place on Worcester Boulevard and we called it the email centre. And people were coming in and using the internet at the time to, um, you know, um, you know, send files back or uh, to the office. Uh, Some photographers were sending stuff back and forth. We had uh, one guy which really stood out and he was a a mobile um, website developer and he worked for us for a week and he showed us how to put together a website and how to get them online. Um, We used to FTP into a server and upload the files, and then you'd 
set up the domain name and point it to the file to bring up the page. Real complicated stuff at the time. But by listening to these people and looking over people's shoulders and asking questions, I learned a lot about the internet. So, and it was fascinating to me. And for some reason, I could remember this stuff and it wasn't going in one ear and out the other. So that was where I sort of got a bit of an opportunity to really get into technology. Then we used to also provide another service where we would go, um, so if you wanted to get on the internet back in, say, 19... 94 you would actually have to um you'd have to go to a bulletin board um and and then connect to it and then click a button and it would send um a prompt for you to put a three and a half inch floppy into the computer and then you'd have to load up seven or five discs whatever it was and that would be the software needed to install this the internet on your computer so I did that, put the three and a half diskets in and run the EXE file, and then I got the internet going. And then I thought, wow, what a performance to get on the internet. And then if you didn't have the right modem, so I started with a 14.4 modem, which a lot of you guys probably a lot um, go back a bit further than that. And then uh, I think 14.4, 36, whatever it was, and then 56, and then we got ADSL and all that fast stuff. But anyway, so I thought, well, I don't want to do. I'll put an advert out there and say that if you want the internet set up in your computer, instead of going through all that, um, you're the rigmarole of doing that, I'll come out and do it for $100. And at that time, that was $50 an hour. It was, was a quite a good um, money. So then I would get had a relationship with companies like Serenet, Southern Internet. Um, I had changed the game. Um, net access uh, and there was about I remember of memory about seven or eight different companies that would use me as their installer to set the internet up so yes you could walk in there yes you could get the disc but no one really wanted to do that and cool thing about it one of the couple of the people I put on the internet was um, uh, James Daniels um, Richard Hadley um, what's the other one um, Jason Gunn and Jason Gunn was funny because he was a Mac user way back and I went around to his house to set up the internet and of course you can't run Windows software on a Mac and I had to learn how to set up a Mac. But I was that resourceful sort of guy because I had my contacts, I could ring up people and ask them how do you do this and they would just tell me. And a lot of the stuff I needed to learn, even though I couldn't spell and read and write very well, I would use um, internet um, I was ah, I forgot what it called it. Internet Relay Chat. So Internet IRC, Internet Relay Chat. Yeah, IRC. And you can still go into IRC chat rooms now. You can go hashtag NZ, and you'll find a lot of the same people still in those rooms chatting to people who were there way at the start when I started working on the internet. I would go in there and ask them questions and they would tell me the answers. So it was like a free encyclopedia. So that's sort of how I got interested in internet. But I mean, my point of being dyslexia is every single obstacle that is in front of you, you've got to work out the time and energy needed to overcome that obstacle. A lot of the things I do in business, I look at how much energy I have to put into it to overcome that obstacle. But my whole life is an obstacle. Every time I open my mouth, I speak, I feel like I'm being judged. Uh, I was reading something on LinkedIn last night and the lady was talking about doing social media posts and how important it is to get your spelling and grammar correct. And I'm going, really? So I couldn't help myself. So I got on there and I said, I disagree. A lot of the things I use, like voice recognition, don't pick up commas. And if somebody's reading something that I have written and they're going to judge me on a spelling or a grammatical error, then they're not my person. But if you go show an interest in Danny and you go and look at his profile, you will see that he is an advocate for living with dyslexia. And that's kind of sort of how it sort of works. So what else can I share with you? Um, yeah, so definitely um, technology is kind of uh, really changed my life. And a lot of business people that I deal with are now looking at the way that I work 
and going, wow, what did you just do then? So if I don't know how to spell Wednesday, I touch a button on my computer and I go Wednesday and it turns up. And if I don't uh, know how to add or subtract something, I just go to Google and go 350,000 divided by four. Or if I don't know how to convert the currency, so or whatever it is, and I use you know technology. So you'll often see me in front of my computer. I'll have a big kick-ass 34-inch screen. I'll have three screens. Um, and I'll be using one to listen to a podcast. I'll be using the other one to help me spell and it just helps, but it does have limitations. And a lot of those limitations are, it's never going to be 100%. So I live life at 85%. And for the 15% of people that seem to make 80% of the noise, um, knock yourself out. Um, but I'm getting shit done. Um, some other things that I've really found um, helpful, some of these I don't use anymore, but I still would like to talk about them. Um, mind maps. Mind maps is what I'm talking to you from now. So rather than having an unstructured, rambling podcast, I've created my, the whole talk I'm doing on a big mind map. And it's like a tree. And each branch is a different topic. So the topics I'm going to discuss with you today is, one of them is conforming technology um, about my company, uh, New Zealand NZ Limited, um, the education system, which I've already covered, um, I wanted to talk to you guys about how it was a gift. Uh, I want to have a conclusion so you can remember to share my podcast. And I've already asked you what when you hear the word dyslexia, what you think about. And um, self-esteem, which is an interesting one. Um, you know, entrepreneurship, overcoming obstacles, um, people skills are most important Anyone that's got dyslexia, there's one guy which I uh, might put notes on, Cameron. He's on um, TED Talks, and he's amazing because um, what he said, he says, why do, you probably search for these words, but why don't universities teach people how to be entrepreneurs? And I think, wow, that's cool. And he said when he was at school, he says he used to get to lessons for things that he sucked at. He couldn't speak French very well, so his parents used to get him French lessons. They said, why didn't they get me lessons on things that I'm good at? And if you've got a child and they've got dyslexia, stop teaching them how to do stuff they suck at. And then everything I've done, like look at the way uh, we, we live these days with um, like gamers. Now, I don't play games and I think it's a waste of time, but gamers can make six-figure income <laughs> simply because of that. So I think people skills, knowing how to interact thing. Remember, I went back to the the headmaster, Mr. Hay, I remembered his name, and he put me through Pitcathley House, and he taught me people skills. Today, when I shake somebody's hand, I do a good handshake. I look them in the eye. I, I introduce myself to people. And uh, it, it really, 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 really cool. So with software, so I use um, a program called MindNode. So it's M-I-N-D-N-O-D-E. And that's uh, compatible with Apple devices only, unfortunately. But there is other ones like XMind, I think. Um, but they will teach you how to do um, uh, mind maps. Um, because I, what I did is I went along to Toastmasters and I really wanted to be more competent at speaking. And they have... A pretty good system for helping you get up on the stage and start talking to your peers uh, and then one guy David Clarkson from Dynamic Communications said have you ever heard of mind maps because I used to write out my speeches word for word and I'd be trying to get my my um, flow going and be able to be consistent and um, I'd have to keep referring back to my notes and it was just like most people can read I can't read and I've got no memory so he said now from now on with a mind map you'll basically create points that you want to talk about. So if I'm doing a, this is literally a 50-minute talk I've done with an 80-slide PowerPoint presentation behind me, and I've managed not to lose my way with it because I'm only discussing six or seven points for people. So other software that I've used, uh, Dream Voice, which is... Um, dictation software so if you're writing a lot of blogs so i'm a big blogger i think i would have published 
two and a half thousand articles. I haven't necessarily wrote them all, but I have actually um, listened to them because I select all the text and I listen to them as I write and then I add my own flair and add bits and pieces into them. So if you go to any of my um, dehec.com, you'll see the blogs. All of those blogs have been written using voice uh, recognition software. And then I'll send them to uh, a friend or somebody to read and they will edit them. And a little bit of software that I found quite good for writing my blogs in voice was, sounds funny saying that, was Dream Voice. And you'll find that on the Apple Store, which is really, really cool. I've got Scannable in here. Um, so, you know, when I meet somebody and I go, hi, how are you going, whoever your name is, um, they will often give me a business card and I'll scan it uh, with Scannable. Now, Scannable is made by Evernote and Scannable only works on an Apple um, device. If you have an Android phone, then you can install um, Evernote and Evernote has the same technology that Scannable has built into it. Unfortunately, the only thing with Evernote, you'll need to subscribe to a $7 plan, I think it is, I don't know the exact price, to get the same tech. Now, why I like Scannable is because if I meet Tim Jones, hi Tim Jones, and I scan his business card, I will literally have the phone in my hand, it will put all his details into my contacts, it will send him a nice LinkedIn request, nice to meet you Tim, here's my V card, and we're done and we're done and we're connected. However, if I'm talking, I go, oh, what's this name? Um, I can refer back to the phone in my hand and keep looking at his name, which might seem a bit lame, but that is, I try, see, this is the thing, is because I'm dyslexic and I've got a very poor memory, I need to use other methods. And I can't just remember somebody's name because I forget it. But then because I don't remember the name, they think I'm being rude and I don't care. But I know the importance of remembering somebody's name, so I try my utmost. So sometimes people's names stick in my head, sometimes they don't. I've got a lady in our network, her name is, um, now for me I have to picture the name, look at the name, I try to break it into phonetics, and her name is Sihera. Now sometimes I can get that right, and sometimes I get it wrong. But if I get it wrong the first time, 90% of the time I'll get it wrong every time. That makes sense. Uh, notes on my phone. So I teach people technology, I use notes, I've got 560 notes on my phone, if I'm doing, like I'm about to go on a holiday um, to uh, Bangladesh, and I'm also going to spend two nights in China, and then I'm going to Bangladesh, and then I'm working from Bangladesh over to New Delhi. Now normally when I travel, I've been to 35 plus countries, I land on the airport, um, I open a Let's Go Europe or a Let's Go India book or a Lonely Planet and I plan my trip then and that's all I do. So this time I've been watching a few YouTube videos so I get a feeling of the culture, especially for Bangladesh and then I will, um, um, all the information I learn and I hear, I now build a library so I, in notes I create a, a folder called Travel and then I create three different notes. And the first note will be New Delhi. Second note will be uh, Bangladesh. And the other one will be China. Then I'll watch YouTube videos. And then when somebody on the YouTube video tells us that one of the places that you must go visit is such and such, such and such, I will stop and pause the video, go off to Google and search for that name, cut and paste that name into my notes. And if I like the visual, I'll think, yes, I'd like to go there. Next, I'll get a map out and find how far away that is uh, from one destination to another. And eventually, I might come up with 10 things I'd like to see. And I'll put them all in order from top to bottom as I travel across the country. And I just use notes to do that. Some people say they like pen and paper, but I like having it on multi-platform. FaceTime. Uh, yes, it's pretty good for me. I like using that a lot. Talking to people face to face rather than um, a telephone maybe. iMessage. I love iMessage. Um, it's, it's been really helpful for me. I work in a shared office space called um, a Genius Coworking and um, the guys in the office that have iMessage, I'll just say, hey guys, um, do you know how to spell Quatorium? And somebody will text it to me. And it's brilliant because I um, I'm using the resources around me. I'm, I'm learning. I'm using people who've got stuff around me, you know. Um, Skype, I don't use that much anymore. Haytel, oops, just made 28 bucks. 
um, hey towel I used to use a lot and that was basically like a walkie talkie and you could just talk back and forth um, that was great so yeah all different types of software um, dictation is just the way to go for me voice dictation is really good so I, I have done a mind map and this is how extensive I need to be when I'm working with dyslexia but I did a mind map of this talk I've done this talk several times um, in front of some property investors um, the New Zealand Science Department wanted to hear from somebody who had grown up through the school system with a disability um, I often tell people um, dyslexia is like my wheelchair um, so don't pick on people who are disabled um, especially spelling bee freaks get a life <laughs> um, yeah so yeah so Google one of the biggest things if I write a paragraph and say it's got 10 words in it I'll chuck that whole paragraph into Google and somebody else would have written a very similar paragraph and I might be able to glean ideas how to improve the way I talk so as I said I write a lot of blogs um, I'd like to think I'm quite a good writer I express myself really words and words and words and words um, so I, I use Google to help in a glean ideas I like using I, you know so here I am reading level of a 9.3 year old and I've got a burning desire to be an author and now I might have just found the new way to be an author and that's through a podcast and then I can, I like expressing myself, I like to get my message out there, I like to help others, and now I don't have to use words, I don't have to print a book. Uh, I've started an ebook on my website, uh, all about the internet and what I've learned over the years, and one day I wanted to turn that into an ebook or an audiobook. Uh, yes, now I actually talk about audiobooks. Now I've got about 85 different uh, audiobooks that I've downloaded over the years. And some of them, um, one of the ones, um, don't let it go to your head, Gary, uh, but Gary Vanderchuk, um, crushing it. If you have not read that book and you're trying to find yourself, and if you are dis, uh, how do I say, if you are, if, what are you doing? If you're, if you don't trust the way you think is right and you feel like people are judging you for the way you want to live your life and what the way you want to do, and I'm talking about those people who are like influencers. Uh, Gary um, uh, Vanderchuk, he's a big influencer. Uh, his content is, is is brilliant, and I I've been doing it on a small style. But he's really by listening to his audio book, uh, it's sort of encouraged me to do this podcast and get out there more. Um, it's basically make yourself a celebrity, um, you know. And if people think that's weird and wonderful, and they don't get you, that's their problem, not yours. So, yeah, spell checkers, I used to love this when people used to say, why don't you use a dictionary? Being dyslexic and trying to use a dictionary is just kind of ridiculous. Because the other day, words are just horrible. And it's, words to me come at me like blocks. And I can't do anything with them except put them somewhere or build something out of them. But they don't, they just don't work. So here I am in the kitchen at Genius Coworking. And I'm about to have my work picks at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I open the fridge and there's a bottle of milk in there. And I pull it out and it says November the 15th. Now, I didn't know whether it was November, or sorry, October or November. So I didn't know whether the milk I'm about to put in my work picks and I'm starving is off or outside of expiry date. So I stuck my head out the door and said, hey, what month is it, anyone? And no one answered me because they thought I'd just been silly because I'm a bit of a joker. And I went back in there and I thought, okay, I'll smell it. Now, for me, the ideal solution for that problem would be pull out my phone, which is on my desk in the other end of the office, look up the date and check that the expiry date is correct or not. So that's kind of like what it's like. I don't know the months of the year. Now, to put that into perspective again, because I talked about it just before, I don't want to go on and on about it, but if you, I don't, if you said, look, uh, it's the 10th month, I'm fine with that. But if you said the 10th month is, so I don't know whether the 10th month is November or October. So if you said it's the 10th month, I know I've got two months before the end of the year. I know the first is January. <laughs> so yeah, so I just wanted to go on about that, and I certainly did. Technology, um, business cards, uh, scanning, we talked about that. Audio messages. Uh, yeah, so on the, on the phone, when you're looking at your iPhone or whatever device you choose, iPhones are better, is, uh, there's a little speaker. Uh, you can hold that down, record your voice, and send off a message. Uh, and I find that's really, really cool. 
Um, well, yeah, so living with dyslexia, it's always hard to become a businessman when you're dyslexia until you believe in yourself. Um, stop teaching children stuff that they suck at is my biggest bit of advice. Um, so when I started, um, I did the lawnmowing business and then somebody, I conformed, you see, and they gave me, a, they said, oh, look, Dan, uh, how about doing uh, a job? I've got a guy that wants a hand in his business. And I said, oh, what's he do? He's a demolition worker. And I said, oh, okay. So I went for a drive with this guy and he said, oh, are you keen to work? So oh, no, I'm really keen to work and have work for a boss. And he said, oh, how much do you charge? And I said, oh, I'll, I'll do it for $5 an hour because I was charging 10 for the lawnmowing business, but that wasn't regular, of course. Uh, he said, oh, are you happy to work for $5 an hour? And I went, yep. So he hired me, gave me a 20-pound sledgehammer, and I did that for about three days, and my hands bled with blisters. It was pretty hard, but yeah, swinging around a sledgehammer at the age of 15 was pretty hard going. Um, so then I got a good job, um, being a, what I call it a job, a forklift driver for Myco Wakefield uh, Plumbing. And they were a real cool company to work for at the time, and I, my job was unloading the trucks and um, basically um, unpacking boxes and keeping the stock levels full. And I worked really hard. I was, I, I was like, I had ADHD. <laughs> anyway, they really were impressed with the way I worked. And they said, well, we'd like to give you a, um, a promotion. And they said, we want you serving customers. So, you know, literally, I think it was um, Peter Driver he turned up and he goes and he was really well known because he's a big plumber around Christchurch and uh and he would tell I would say what's your name and he'd go Peter I could spell Peter but I couldn't spell driver because the R and the I and the V and the E just do my head in so I couldn't find him on the system to charge his account and then he he would spell it out like I was stupid and the big frown on the would look at you and and at the end of it I decided that um um, I was going to get fired because I was incompetent at spelling. So I actually, I, I remember somebody saying, you know, don't ever get fired, it'll look bad on your CV. So I actually quit. Um, and they used to pick on me there as well. I remember I come back from lunch one day and my bike, which I loved, was hanging from the rails of the warehouse um, by a chain because they just thought that would be funny if I come back from lunch and found my bike way up in the back corner of the thing. And uh, it was, you know, and I thought, oh, here I go again. I'm getting picked on again because of my abilities because they thought I was stupid. Um, you know, it was just really hard work. So anyway, long story short, I quit before I got fired. Then the nicest guy come out and he said to me, you're really going to leave? And I said, yeah, I, I can't do the job that you want me to do and I don't want to get fired, so I'm leaving beforehand. And he said, we well, don't have to leave. And I said, no, I'm going to. So I did. So then um, I got a job in a supermarket. I was working for the fruit and veg people. I could stack 130 boxes of bananas within an hour on the busiest night. I was quite proud of that. And I really wanted to be um, like the manager of the fruit and veg. And it might not sound like much of a job, but we did have like 14, 15 staff at the time. But once again, I was too young. Uh, so I didn't do that. And then, um, and then, as I said earlier on, I worked for, um, I did my apprenticeship as a painter and a decorator. And I thought just getting an apprenticeship is really, really cool. It's nice to know I sort of have a qualification, <laughs> even though I left school at 14. And then the other one is, um, you know, working for myself as a, as a painter and a decorator for a few years. So I'll tell you a little bit about my company. So when I got my knowledge, say after the, so we've got ourselves at Internet Cafe, we've got, uh, We've got, we've got the Internet Cafe. I've learned a little bit about website development. I could install modems and get people on the Internet. And then my business partner said, look, Dan, I said, I'm going to go back. And I've got a job opportunity in Australia. So he left me of all the business and all the gear. And then I thought, well, I won't keep the lease going because that was up and had it for about a year. And then I used to wheel my computers into cafes and bars around Christchurch. And I would say to them, look, if I can hook onto the Internet here, uh, people come in to use the computers, you take the money for the coffees, I will take the $5 for using the computers, deal. And then I had an opportunity to wheel my shop into iHug that just started in Christchurch. I think her name was Karen Wilder, and she used to be the manager at iHug. And people used to come in and go, oh, how do I get on the internet to Karen? And they used to be like a $45 a month flat rate ISP. And she'd go, oh, here's the disc, do it yourself. Or if you get stuck, here's Danny's card. And then I used to take Karen out. She could drink as much as she liked on a Wednesday night. Uh, and we'd play pool. And I'd say I let her win, but she was pretty good. And 
some of the nicest things in the career. I did that for about a year with Karen and I got a lot of work of those and the other companies as well. And I really become the internet guy. And I had a business mind back then to be called myself Remote Internet. And my business card had a stamp on it, which I shouldn't have printed, but I did, uh, of Milford Sounds. And my goal was to run my business from anywhere uh, off technology. So at the time I had a Nokia, I think it's a 90-something 10 dial-up phone. I had a a 3.5-inch, 11-inch compact laptop. And it had one of those wee balls on the top for a mouse, upside-down ball at the time. And I basically... um, got myself really well known as an internet consultant and and uh and then one day I thought I but just before I bought my laptop I decided to sell everything I owned and um get enough money to buy a, my laptop so I could be mobile and I hitchhiked up to Auckland got to Wellington and there was a company called ABC Computers that were going into liquidation they had a computer there for two and a half grand that normally sells for five because Noel Leaning's had it for that price Long story short, managed to get this laptop, and I I remember having $300 in my bank account and deciding I was going to travel around New Zealand, calling myself New Zealand's mobile internet consultant. And as I built my clients up, I would have a diary of where I were and where I was traveling. So this is way back, you know, we're talking 96, 97, and I used to ring up the rental car companies and say, look, can I relocate um, any vehicles for you? And they would ring me up. I remember one company was really cool, Link Rental Cars and Ring, uh, not Ring, Rotorua. And they would ring me up and say, look, we've got a car that needs to be relocated from Christchurch to Auckland. Um, we'll pay all the petrol and all your your expenses and we'll give you four or five days to get here. I thought, great. So that would be my transport. So eventually I built up a company that had a lot of really cool clients in it. And they were all like-minded, so I created a company called New Zealand NZ.co.nz Limited, and it, it was called New Zealand's Information Network. And we had a slogan called "Scanning the Nation for Your Information," and I'd keep a diary online of where I were, so my clients could literally get on there, find out where Danny was, and if Danny was coming towards them, then they would have an appointment with me. And people used to use it, and I'd try to update this diary just about every day. However, Calling yourself New Zealand's leading internet consultant, because there were no internet consultants back then, I got an email one day from this guy called Bruce Simpson, and he said, why who, Why do you think you can call yourself New Zealand's leading internet consultant? And I just wrote back and went, who are you? And this guy thought he was New Zealand's leading internet consultant. And uh, he had a, um, a website called advark.co.nz, and also he, at the time, owned a domain name called 7am.com. And he was offered a million dollars for this domain name. And he decided to turn that down. And and he used to have this ad ticket thing. So he was somebody on the internet. He, he originally, years later, got um, done by the IRD for not paying some bill. And he also made some sort of missile but this guy decided to use target me and he couldn't get over the fact that I called myself New Zealand's leading internet consultant and um and my spelling was atrocious and um and I kept building up my clients and and he published articles about me calling me the internet cowboy and if you go to dehec.com and read my archive you can see all these articles and they at the time were disgusting and to be honest I've never read a book in my life I started listening to audiobooks, and they are amazing, because now I can understand what it's like when somebody says to me, I went to the movies and watched something, but the book was better. So so he's publishing all this stuff, and um, one of the things I did that was a bit of a laugh, I used to feed them content, so anytime it went a bit quiet, I um, would feed them some picture of me doing something silly, and uh, they had a picture of me, I had a photo of me standing inside a Porsche and if you held your mouse over it it would say my car in 2000 and um, so they assumed that I had a Porsche and I was uh, you know tall poppy syndrome probably that I was driving around New Zealand building cheap websites and um, ripping off people and calling myself New Zealand's leading internet consultant and then they were judging me on my reading and writing so I got quite a lot of um, publicity and I mean a ton of publicity and it was when you had a lot of keyboard warriors. 
But the ironicness of it, I got a phone call one day from uh, Peter Belt, I think his name was, and he had an article called, uh, oh, I forgot what he called it now, but it's on my articles. Um, oh, The Plug. That's right, The Plug. And he said, look, can I interview you, Danny? I've got a coming now article and it's all about you. And he said, oh, when are you in Auckland next? And I said, oh, I'm here today, funny enough. Um, if you read my diary, you would have found that out. So I had Kerry Downer, and Kerry Downer was the owner of uh, Pegasus uh, Rental Cars. Well, he was the franchise owner, I should say, for New Zealand. And this company have hired me to market their rental car company. And Kevin Lamb, who did own the company, had started over in Australia, and they were flying me back and forth to do the websites for the Australian stuff. And they had 13 branches here in New Zealand, and I did all their marketing. And Kerry um, was at with Peter, and Peter finished up writing this article about me. It was about seven pages long. And Kerry, they asked Kerry why they use my services, because, you know, Danny doesn't look very professional. And he said, well, go on the internet and search for rental car New Zealand and see who comes up number one. And it was Pegasus Rental Cars at the time, and they still do today, I think. And so I got um, published in this article. Then the Net Guide magazine came along and Peter Belt uh, from The Plug won the award for the best online um, magazine. And in quotes, it said, for writing articles such as the one about Danny DeHeck. So even though I couldn't read and write, even though I was having a hell of a good time, I had photos of me hanging out helicopters. Um, I had photos of me in the bath cleaning up my act. Um, they took the piss out of me, just like school. And um, and it, I didn't read it, so they couldn't get that into me. And I just always focused on what I wanted to do. So my tourism business, I finished up doing work for like Blackwater Rafting, uh, the original Blackwater Rafting. There's about five different companies down there. Um, John Ash, um, pretty sure it's Ash, of course it is, um, they gave me a chance, they, they followed my reputation, and because of my Kiwiana way of doing things, they got me to do their marketing, and we were doing 400 bookings a month for them online, and remember the internet was brand new, um, the Glacier Guiding Company, now there's two companies down there at the time, Dave Jordan and his partner at the time, um, were fighting Doc, and they there was Alpine Adventures and the Glacier Guiding Company, and eventually, over years and years and years of push, 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 they managed to get as much rights to um, take people on the ice as um, the comp- competitor. So, long story short, um, I had these big name companies, and I was doing the marketing. So, eventually, I had forty five different rental car brands using me to do ninety nine percent of their internet marketing when the internet was just starting out. Um, like Ace Rentals, A to B Rental Cars, Pacific Horizon, Tui Campers, uh, just to name a few, you save rentals. The only ones I never got to do any marketing, they were real savvy, was Apex Rentals, and they've just gone amazing now. So, yeah, so I, even though, um, so I remember 2004, um, I was at the peak in the internet marketing game, and I remember, you know, for a guy that can't read and write, uh, for somebody who got picked on at school, who left school at the age of 14, who, you know, lost dear people um, in his life, like a stepfather, one parent family, got told he would amount to nothing, got kicked out of a religion um, um, that I was brought up with, lost all my friends and had to start over. Money and success and pride in business was my new love. And um, I managed to turn over... One year, uh, my wife at the time was with me, um, but together we turned over just short of half a million dollars in one year of advertising and people paying us um, to promote different things. Now that equated to $275,000 wage. And it might not sound much to most of you, but for the years after that, I was always a six-figure income person. So now I went through a divorce. I got incredibly um, sick um, with a burst appendix um, and got all, I can't even say what I got, but I was put in hospital for a couple of weeks and I've had to start over um, again. <laughs> and my business, my tourism business is still going, but it doesn't have all the, um... and before you ask me what happened, which people ask, and I go, well, you make hay while the sunshine. Timing is everything in business. And it's really important to understand that. So 
I've got a lot of online shops at the moment and we've, uh, we're doing really well with them. And I, uh, the other day, Google cut me off uh, because I broke some law and um, it's all back now. But within, you know, a few minutes, somebody flicked a switch and uh, we stopped selling stuff, which is amazing. But so my point is that um, why did it stop? Well, a lot of these uh, rental car companies wanted to have control of their own business and the internet was made easier. You can manage your own website. Uh, with New Zealand's information network, I use, I'm big in networking and I would say to the rental car operator, I'm sorry, but you need to advertise other people on the bottom of your website. So I'd have these banner, a banner network and the accommodation providers would advertise the rental car operators and the adventure sports people would advertise rental cars, accommodation, and there would just be random banners advertising. And then we used to have this forum where all the website providers, sorry, where all the companies could go in there and add tourist tips within their forum. And that forum was connected to all the websites within my network. So kind of like not really, kind of like Facebook made our chat room um, obsolete. We used to also have a thing called a, travel, a tour travel survey where if somebody was coming to New Zealand, we'd say, hey guys, what, what do you think about doing? Do you need a rental car? Do you need accommodation? What activities are you thinking about doing? Um, what places are you going to go travel? And they would fill out this form and then we'd use, um, they'd hit submit and then at the other end of that, it would automatically fire people who were on different databases and their advertising would get, um, it was like you'd fill out a form and you'd get a whole lot of spam back in a way. <laughs> but all this stuff, and especially, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we were doing, like the banner network, um, if you're familiar with Google advertising, we've got called it remarketing now. So I was using the traffic I got. Um, and you're thinking, well, there's a tourist sitting here. They don't just want a rental car. They might want some accommodation. Why not sell it to them? Um, and that was for, so eventually only people that I'd have within my network were people that would get me to do 90% of their advertising. So they had to have all their, um, their website within my network. So I used to say to people, because I used to do it completely different once again, instead of giving somebody a standalone website, I'd say, look, if I give you a standalone website, I'm going to put it in the desert. And if somebody comes down the desert road, they will have to use your services because they'll be starving. But what do we do is we build websites like you're in a mall. And I have multiple malls. And I'm going to fit out your website. It may not be the, ex the exact look that you want for your business, but it's going to have the same cash register, the same air conditioning, the same flooring, same look. But we're going to put your label on the outside of the building and people will know that's where they hire your cars. And because I had 45 different rental car brands, people would come to me and look for rental cars because I was like the one-stop shop. And eventually people thought, well, every time you get another rental car operator, aren't you taking it away? And I'd say, no, no, no. The more I get, the more you get because we're the one-stop shop. Everyone's coming to us. So, so how you can do well in business is when you get an inquiry um, you can answer that inquiry as promptly and efficiently and as intelligent as you can. And that's how you're going to get the business. So anyway, so being dyslexic hasn't really, um, hasn't really slowed me down. Uh, I still have obstacles every day. But if you are dyslexic, it's a gift. And you've just got to think different. I think uh, it's really helped me in business. I'm proud uh, where I am today. I kind of love starting over. I love having a new task. I love technology. And if and uh, if you if if you ever need anyone to talk on dyslexia, uh, I have a better rant about it. But uh, it certainly hasn't held me back, and nor should it hold you back. So I've been talking for fifty-eight minutes, and I really don't want to go over an hour. So if you could please subscribe, um, I promise I won't talk about dyslexia every time I talk, but this one was focused on living with dyslexia, so please share it, um, if you can comment, I'd uh, love um, reviews, and if I've helped you in any way, form, or anything like that, uh, it would be really awesome. Now, one person that does come to mind, and I'll leave you with this, is Zig Ziglar, and I listen to Zig quite a lot, he's amazing, I wish I could say that to him, to his face, and he says, you can have everything that you want in life if you just let others have what they want. So 
that's how I roll. And thank you very much for listening. And that's Danny DeHeck. Uh, have a good day, night, evening, and thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.